So Mary, what's your favorite tequila brand? And why do you, I ask? Because it's Cinco de Mayo. Don't get me started on tequila. (laughs) I love Casamigos. I feel like I'm pretty basic in saying that response, but I also really love, actually, I should shout out to one of my favorite brands that's just here in Boulder, Suerte Tequila. Have you heard of it? I have not. Oh, it's the best. Lawrence owns it. And, you know, funny story, when I was running a juice bar, he had just started his tequila brand and he kept coming to the juice bar because he had collaborated with this really cool cocktail caravan that was going around to events. And he would bring, well, they would bring watermelons and we would juice gallons and gallons and gallons of watermelons or also lime juice and lemon juice, which, mind you, we were literally using, like, one of those hand juicers with a glove, and you would, I can't tell you how many little nicks I got on my <laughs> on my fingers and how much that stings, but made the coolest cocktails with tequila. I love tequila. I think it's one of the best spirits out there. So Casamigos is related to George Clooney? Yeah, I think he sold it. I'm not totally sure, but I've, I only discovered it, like, I'm very late to the Casamigos game. I'm like a, I, I don't know, maybe the last year I really appreciated it, and I typically stick to the silver variety mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the Blanco. So here's a fun fact. George Clooney grew up in Cincinnati, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, Northern Kentucky. So his whole family is from this area, and he is a Cincinnati boy. Yeah, and I think that everyone, like, if you don't know, but the whole point of the third place is it's pretty rooted in beverage. So this comes up for us a lot, where beverage can be a catalyst for conversations. So any excuse we have to talk about <laughs> any beverage of any sorts, whether it be tea, water, Yeah, beer, well, not just alcohol. Not although, just alcohol. Right? Although with Cinco de Mayo, you know, that's kind of... It yeah, I mean... Well, and, you know, on a regular basis, we do our co-host happy hours on Thursday afternoons. and Yeah, check us out on Instagram Live. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we we usually shout out our favorite drink of the day or whatever. And, um, you know, here in Cincinnati, we have Care Conspiracy that we gave a shout out to. And they have a blue agave spirit, which is actually tequila. Mm. But you're not allowed to call it tequila. Because it's not. From Mexico. Mm, that's correct. But yes. it's basically the tequila. And and by the way, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So and- so while you're wherever you're listening, ten AM, seven AM, ten PM, let's pause, go grab your favorite shot of tequila and come back. <laughs> and but please don't tell your employer. Although I've been seeing a lot of these amazing, hilarious TikToks, right? Where they're like just put your drink inside of a coffee mug and make sure to blow on it during your Zoom call and it looks like you're drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but even like more importantly to us is the fact that this episode that you are about to hear is all about gratitude. And it's from Pamela. She's a new author and really such a bright light in this world and this topic 
And we feel like it was really timely being that Mother's Day is just around the corner. So we have a lot of things to celebrate this week. Yeah, we talk about our families on our, uh, quite a bit here. Shout out to my wife, Beth, and the mothers of our two boys, Parker and Lincoln. So happy Mother's Day. And Mary, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. And I think what, something that we really recognize, though, too, that is new for me, maybe not for David, but an awareness that we've gained in the last series that we did on infertility is that Mother's Day can also be triggering for those that are trying to create a family. And so we we just want to acknowledge that while we don't want to hinder the celebration uh, for myself as a mother and for all of those mothers that are listening to Beth, which Beth, thank you for existing because clearly we could not do any of this without your support of my amazing co-host. So I just want to like call that out. Plus you guys have like two under four, (laughs) two two under under three, three and under. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah. So just acknowledging the fact that like mother's day and these and father's day in June can be complex. And I think we just want to be, you know, the third place is about this and space. It's not, um, being a mother, but not being a mother or not being a mother, it's really about what is it to be a mother and also find that mothering spirit, even if it's non-traditional. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. I mean, I think that for me, cause, cause there has been a little bit of wrestling about what does mother's day look like if you can't have kids, if you're not a mom. And, and I do think we talk about like the feminine spirit and the masculine spirit often and and to me, Mother's Day is a representation of all femininity, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that that's really beautiful when we when we when we cast the net in such a wider space. Um, so, if you are someone who um, has really struggled to be a mom and wants to be a mom and just simply can't, like we see you, I see you, and and I still celebrate this day with you because I think your space your role in being motherly, your role in being, um, you know, teaching other people and caring for other people is seen and heard and critical, I think, to the way that we want to see society move. Yeah, I think that there's a a mothering nature in a lot of acts that go beyond simply having a child. So I think that we're just acknowledging that and, you know, and, 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 and the third place, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mama, Catherine Lervick, who we have told you guys is like kind of our board of advisors. She doesn't yeah. really know it, but <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to meet, I've yet to meet mama Catherine, but she's become someone who I trust immensely. Yeah. Yeah. And And just want to say thank you to everyone's support. And also, we are doing a Mother's Day giveaway actually right now with an incredible community of people. It's through David's coffee company, La Terza Coffee. So go to Instagram at La Terza Coffee. Check it out. You can also find it at our Instagram at Third Place Podcast. And engage with us a little bit more there. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been looking forward to sharing this episode with you all from Pamela 
as she explains her children's book about gratitude. And I think she just has such a fantastic story. And, you know, to everyone out there, happy Mother's Day. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Today, we welcome Pamela. She's a manifestation expert and gratitude course junkie with a severe 70s obsession. As a stylist for 20 years, a girl mama times two, she also received an MBA at only 20 years old. She has a self-proclaimed addiction to gold spray paint and always will be a believer in dressing up. As a Pittsburgh native, late-born Angelino, and a current Tennessean, we're elated to bring Pamela on to talk all things gratitude and how it applies to not just children, but adults alike. Welcome, Pamela. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Pamelyn, welcome to the third place. We're really grateful to have you on. Thanks for having me. We were first introduced to your work and your new book, Gratitude the Great, from another one of our favorite guests, Angela Engel, who's also your publisher. She is. She's like the ultimate connector, I swear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's been bringing some of the like most profound and powerful stories to the table, and we were able to share one of hers, which I think was kind of cool to like flip the script on her. But, you know, I think that what's interesting about what you've done with Gratitude the Great is that I know that this isn't your day job so much as a passion project of yours, right? Yeah, it's definitely a passion project. It's something that I have been wanting to do for years and years. And finally, I was like, I cannot rest until I get this done. And I did it. Yeah, There's something about that, like, feeling when you realize you can't, like, I love how you said that, you can't rest until it's done. That's like the effortless fire that is in your gut. So when you and I first spoke, I was really struck by the fact that you and I had that shared experience where we both lost our father in our early 30s. And it seems like that was a contributing factor to leading you down the path that you're on now. I'd love for you to sort of, you know, bring that experience to life for us. Yeah, it definitely was. Um... Yeah, when I was 30, my dad passed away, and he was only 58 years old, and it was just devastating, and, you know, he worked his whole life to retire at, like, 56 years old. He was a mailman, and, you know, all he would talk about growing up was, you know, about retirement, and he wants to do this, and he's going to do that, and then you know, two years later, he's not, you know, on this earth anymore and couldn't do all of these things that he wanted to do. And so I think that like triggered something in me to just like reflect on life and, you know, the present. And I just started to make changes and just pivot and switch things up, which was not a popular thing kind of, you know, like where I'm from, right? It was like, you know, 
we grew up, we go to college and, you know, we have our friends and then, you know, we get married in our late twenties and everybody starts having kids. And so that's what every one of my friends was doing. And I was one of the only ones, you know, with not being married or kids. And, um, I'm like, okay, like what is my path, you know? And so I just started to do a lot of kind of like self-help, I guess you would call it, you know, because right Prior to my dad passing away, I also had just recently like ended a five-year relationship and um, a year prior to that, both of my grandparents died in the same year who were also, you know, like my parents. And so I just started to dig deep and I started to, you know, read a lot of very hard reads like A New Earth and um, the power of the subconscious mind. And I just started to like really go deep, which was interesting and exciting for me because it was nothing that was ever part of my life before. You know, like I'm from Pittsburgh. We're tough. We don't really like talk about our deep feelings and emotions and we're like steal people and we just, you know, kind of go for it. And so when I started like doing all of this, you know, reflecting, it brought me primarily to like, yeah, the subconscious mind and our thoughts and really to, you know, give gratitude for the things like we had, the things we want that we don't have and the things we currently have. And that's where like affirmations come into play because affirmations are really you just being grateful for things that you want, but you don't have yet. So, um, you know, through all those things, I started to slowly change my mindset, slowly kind of like change my path. And I, I upped and moved to California. So my dad died in, um, April and August. I moved part-time to California, part-time Pittsburgh. I still maintained my job in Pittsburgh, I, you know, and I got other clients there. And I was just like, I am not going to wait until I'm 55 years old to live the life that I want to live right now. And, you know, it was bold. It was brave looking back at it now. And, you know, I did it. And it was the best thing that I ever did. And so with that, you know, I continue to just work on things and work on my thoughts and just really practice gratitude daily because gratitude is like a muscle, you know, and like the more you work at it, the better it becomes. So you just can't like wake up one day and, oh, I'm grateful for this. And, oh my gosh, why isn't anything amazing happening? Well, just like anything, you know, you have to work hard and really practice it. And so, yeah, I mean, I found myself in LA at 30 years old, you know, single and um, just wanting to like explore life. And I mean, I also like, you know, had all of these dreams of, you know, finding this perfect man and, you know, these children. And I had all of these great aspirations. And as soon as I started to like be honest with what I wanted, because prior to that, it was like, I am woman, hear me roar. I don't, you know, need a man. I mean, it's just all those silly things. And (laughs) I'm like, who am I? You know? So when I started to become honest with really what I wanted in life, putting those exact messages out there into the universe, 
it all came back to me. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. It was years. I mean, I remember, I mean, years I would, you know, in the morning I would wake up and that's when I would do my affirmations and I would like close my eyes and I would, you know, visualize and thank the universe for all of these amazing things. I had none of them. Like I had none, was not even close to them. And now I have them all. So it was that forward version of gratitude, that anticipatory gratitude that led you down this path to really identify what you wanted, what you were looking for, and you started to make it happen. So, Yeah, I mean, I think also, though, you know, the present state of gratitude is like just as important, you know. Um, I mean, dreaming and hoping, I mean, those are like major. But I also think that in order to dream and hope, you have to be happy with what is happening right now, even if it's really bad, like the death of your father and your grandparents, you know, in the end of a, a major relationship and all of these things, I just was able to through work and reading and listening to like super soul Sunday. I mean, that was, you know, I, I, that's all I did was watch that and tap into all those great speakers that I truly was able to find all of these amazing things that I have to be grateful for. You know, it doesn't, I always say like the practice of gratitude is free to every single person in the entire universe. And the greatest thing about gratitude is it does not discriminate. It doesn't care what you look like, what color you are, how much money you make. It does not care. Everybody has it in their pockets to pull out and use and get the benefits from it at all times. So like we need to use it, you know, as much as we can. And so, yeah, I was just kind of like tapping into like, I am grateful to be alive. I am grateful to have the opportunity to be in two states and travel. You know, you just start to just every little thing. I mean, the palm trees, the sun, you know, anything, the person that was working at the store that helped me today. And I just was so joyful by doing that. I was like a joyful human being. and. Um, I mean, I always, I think that I, I don't think I was a, a, a sad person or anything like that. I was, you know, fine. I just w was now exuding like this crazy amount of joy that if I wasn't practicing gratitude and all of those things had happened to me, I could be in a super, super dark place. Yeah, I love the distinction between present gratitude and anticipatory gratitude. I mean, I don't know if those are dubbed or anything. But I, I, feel I like don't we know. Just it just dubbed kind of came out of my mouth. I have no idea. I, I yeah, I just started. <laughs> and I feel like what's cool about that is that there's nothing more sobering than a death, right, of someone, someone really close to you, and that that does force you into this present state where suddenly there is this end that we maybe couldn't really contextualize before. And then it's like, whoa, like that's, that's real. Cause I think so often we can live and know that we all will die. And that's like the, the big equalizer, but it's only until I feel like you have a big death in your family or close to you that you're able to like really internalize that. And then it can be like, for me, I can relate to that, that it has created an opportunity to be more present than I think I would have ever been able to tap into otherwise. Right. Because things like that, like things like death, I mean, in most cases, there is nothing that we can do, you know, to like, you know, prevent that. I mean, it's out of our control. So what I try to do is just focus on everything that I have control over and then, you know, release the things 
that I don't. And that doesn't mean that we can't be extremely sad and down and mourn all of these, you know, bad things that can happen to us. But I just think it makes me be a better person to try to, you know, control the things that I can control, compartmentalize it, not focus on the others. Yeah. And and there's that these pain points force you into those present moments. Like when we stop to really think about all the things that we do have, we actually do have quite a lot, but it's, it, it seems like it takes pain of some kind to usually trigger someone to, to be aware of all that, to really look around and see, like you said, all the things like I'm alive that I have the opportunity to live in Pittsburgh and then Southern California, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have your book, coming out. And I wanted to tap into that. There's so many great things I think that you say that I think are like little catchphrases that I can't wait to apply to my family. Like one of the things that um, I saw is it says it should be as normal or as important as brushing your teeth. Like gratitude should be as normal or as, or as important as brushing your teeth. You know, so what does that look like for daily practice with kids, especially Right now, we're living in the world where it's always everything's so busy. Um, so adding anything right. new seems extra hard. But I agree. It sounds like this is really important to create rhythm around. Right. And remember, you know, it, it is gratitude is so simple. It's not like we're adding another sport or another like lesson in piano. This is free and can just you just need words, you know, and actions. And so um, what I like to say is, gratitude is best caught, not taught. So we can sit here and tell our kids, you know, to say thank you and do this and do that. But really, you know, the true, like the deep, deep, soulful gratitude is really what I'm talking about that really makes the difference. And you know, in order for children to truly feel that, I mean, it doesn't really happen till they're maybe like six years old, but the the process can still be started, you know, prior to that. But in order for them to really get it, it's they're seeing what you're doing and how you're speaking to humans and how you are expressing your gratitude. And, you know, if somebody, you know, if you're taking cookies to a neighbor, you know, you, you, you know, the kid is involved in all those things. I mean, those are just like normal. Those are easy, right? Those are like your normal everyday things that you're riding in the car. Oh my gosh, Mariah, can you believe how beautiful that sunset is? Like how grateful are we to be able to see that beauty? Any little, you know, moment that you can find to say that is important. I mean, and then there's the rituals. I mean, there's like the, the easy daily things, but then there's the rituals that, that I call that I think are as important as, you know, brushing your teeth at night. And so there's a couple of them, you know, that we do, but like our favorite one is called pillow chat. And so at night we have this heart shaped crystal and we each hold the crystal and we go around and we say what we are grateful for that day and why. Because I think that the why, and it's science-based too, but that the why is the most important part. Because you have, you just can't say, I'm grateful for my teacher. You have to really express, you know, why. Because that's, that's that deeper gratitude of them in their brains thinking, okay, this is why we're grateful for that. So 
we have to say why and we each, you know, go around and do that. And so they love it. If we miss it, they're like all upset about it. So we've been doing that for years and years and years. And so that then prompts, you know, other things in their life to go and do that. I mean, we're constantly, we are, we write thank you notes like it's nobody's business, you know, and <laughs> it's they, a lost art. It's a total oh my gosh. lost art. And, you know, they, um, I don't even have to tell them that. Like if somebody buys them something or does something nice to them, for them, you know, let's write them a thank you note. And then the other thing is like, it's not just about the physical thing. So if somebody just does something nice for you, I mean, it's not buying you something. It's, you know, showing your appreciation. And even like simple things like, you know, we'll be sitting at dinner and I'll say, do you guys know how this food got here? Like, let's talk about it. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a farmer somewhere that had to plant these seeds or, you know, milk this cow and then we go through, I call it the gratitude train. So we go through like this little train on how all of these people are, you know, a part of us eating this amazing dinner. So I think the key is like once kids and parents realize that we are all like interdependent on one another to make a lot of things in our lives happen, maybe we'll just, you know, respect each other a little bit more. Yeah, totally. I love that idea that, you know, the sunset when you see it's like when you see these moments of beauty, you you simply call them out and be and be grateful in that present moment. And I also like and I, I in part say this because my wife's dad uh, used to be a mail carrier. And so when I heard you say the notes, it made me think of right when I get a handwritten note, which is so rare in the mail, you just like, what is it? You know, <laughs> um, so it's it's to me, it immediately felt like it was a way that your kids could be embodying your dad because here was the, yeah, here are these sure. notes that, that you're delivering to other folks. Right. And, and without the mailman or the letter carrier, yeah. you know, those notes could not be delivered. And the, the whole interdependent thing that you just said. I kind of even take it one step further where I feel like it doesn't even have to be that you're just acknowledging moments of beauty because that can be like easy, but that there's this other like layer of depth with gratitude that it's just acknowledging even differences. Like what I heard you say with this gratitude train, which I've so far loved all this like very playful language because it like that's really essential with children too, right? It has to like be a, a visual representation that they can lean into, but that acknowledgement is, is sort of an act of just like gratitude and acknowledgement are like basically rooted in just being curious. And at that stage, you know, being curious and playful in that probably is, uh, I imagine pretty important to this, this gratitude as a ritual. Yeah. And that we, we do a lot of that in the book, the book's about, you know, um, appreciating people's differences and acknowledging them, you know, to them, um, through these gratitude bracelets. That's a big part of the book is, you know, um, which we do that at home too. And here's, you know, some of them that we make, but gratitude bracelets. And this is another really, you know, cute idea that people can do with their, with their children at home, because it doesn't matter what kind of bracelet. I mean, even two-year-olds can string a bead, you know, on a bracelet. And so, yeah, they're just gratitude bracelets. We call them Rhea bracelets in the book, but yeah. And therefore, you know, for you to give to people to, sh to tell them what you are grateful for. So then every time that person looks down on their wrist, they know that somebody is grateful for them for some reason. And they're also you know, for yourself, 
to have on your wrist to remind yourself of, okay, you know, like I have all these amazing things to be grateful for. So we make gratitude bracelets like too much. We make them all the time. <laughs> and so what is, what does Rhea stand for? Can you tell us a little bit of what that means? Well, so in the book, we say that because the, the, the little girl in the book is from Brazil. And so we say that that was the story is that she started to make these gratitude bracelets. Um, it's a tradition in her Brazilian family. And they started to make them with their great-great-grandmother, and her nickname was Rhea. But really, it's my daughter's nickname that my little, my youngest daughter called her because her name's Maria. So she would just call her Rhea when she was little. So we just kind of connected that. So just, so we, we, you know, we wanted a name for it. We just didn't want it to be like gratitude bracelets. We wanted to kind of brand it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and it just like, I think that that's the whole next step of having it be integrated for the kid, right? So it's like, yeah, you're talking about all these like different layers of gratitude that you can practice with your child. And then really the tangible is also important so that there's a constant reminder when they see that, that it, I'm sure it triggers the brain to have a boost in in hormones or something. I mean, I don't know if you have any awareness around that, but I'm curious if you... Oh, yeah. No, there's um, Deepika Chopra is my great friend, and she's the optimism doctor, and she wrote the afterword for my book. And so she's kind of like the science behind why gratitude works, why optimism works. So I kind of do the practice. I call myself the practice, and she's the proof. And so... No, there's it. This there is science behind it. There's cognitive benefits to people who practice gratitude on a daily basis. You know, and, and it's a feeling that stirs up inside of you, and it you know creates all of these amazing things like more optimism and you know less anxiety and more appreciation for um, you know things. So there's studies and studies. I mean, Harvard has done hundreds of them just on gratitude. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's so easy for our brain and I've seen and read lots of studies too, just the negative sticks so easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, how, how many times we have so many compliments throughout the day, but the one negative thing right. or, or, you know, any kind of creative work, the one, one star review, I could have a hundred five star reviews, but I'm up at night thinking about that one star review. Why did that negative sticks? And it just seems like gratitude needs that attention, you know, that intentionality behind it for that reason alone. Right. I'm sort of even thinking about, so it, you know, is since the negative can stick so, is so much stickier, I guess, um, is gratitude just an antidote to this? I mean, I think that my experience too is that my child who's going to be four is really pretty highly sensitive and it seems like a lot of like negativity and the intensity of the climate of the world and everything is like infiltrating in a way that's um, kind of toxic. And, and I'm wondering, like, is there anything about this generation of children that we're raising right now that are more vulnerable to this clearly? And can gratitude be, can it be as simple as gratitude as an antidote for that? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I, you know, believe in science, and I believe in like how it you know, changed my life. And I was 30 years old. So that's why I wanted to write the book. I'm like, oh my gosh, if children at a young age can grasp this concept, 
by us as parents instilling these rituals into their lives, it could forever change the trajectory of their life. So yes, I mean, I, I, I believe that, especially now. I mean, that's why, like, you know, there's been all these articles, you know, coming out about how it's even so much more important now than ever, because we were stripped of a lot of things that we were used to and that made us happy and joyful. And so we had to kind of get down to the nitty gritty and really, you know, find the joy in things that we did had it normally looked into, you know, or tapped into, which we should have been, but you know, life happens and it's just like what you do. And so, yes, I think that what everybody has gone through this past year and the, and the children, especially, you know, teaching them this, trying to like have their mind shift, because that's the thing is like all the scientists say that gratitude is way, way, way easier for little kids than it is for adults. Because we're already messed up, you know, and, and, and they are more of pure, you know, pure thoughts. And so it's way easier for them to grasp and get it than it is for us. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, like it's, it's just so important. I actually read an article today that said the number one cause of death for 10 to 14 year olds is suicide. I know. So, so the need is so much different. Like what? Do you see as the big shift in time? Like why, why are we seeing this shift in kids today that's different than when we were younger? I mean, I think social media, mm. you know, is, is just horrible for that age group. I mean, think about it, you know, guys, how hard it was for us and we didn't have anything. And imagine, you know, that, um, projected like on a global scale. Um, it's just, I don't know, man, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm trying to figure out, you know, like how to navigate this for my young kids. But I think that has a lot, a lot to do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I, you know, again, talk about sobering conversation, but also just what I love about this passion project of you doing Gratitude the Great is that we can have such an intense conversation around the sort of resilience that's being demanded of our children these days and that it doesn't have to be this massive nor expensive. In fact, it's free um, approach to try to give them the tools to be able to cope with sort of the resilience that they're being called to tap into. And, you know, I, I, when we spoke a while back, I think that you said something like gratitude is our greatest superpower. Greatest natural superpower. Greatest natural superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why Why do you say it, you know, just like that? And um, what does that mean? It just means that, you know, we don't need anything to acquire gratitude. I mean, it's all here, like, for us to use. And it the benefits of it are so extreme that, you know, that it's just so natural, like everybody should be using it. And, you know, the joy that it can bring, how it can help you throughout your life and through your relationships, it is powerful. And I just feel like it's the greatest virtue. You know, like Cicero said, it's not only is it, you know, a virtue, but it's the parent of all others. That's what he says about gratitude. Um, 
And so I think, you know, if you're practicing gratitude, if you're getting this whole thing, then all these other things like come down from it. All these other layers will like happen, you know, from doing one powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people are going to want to learn more about your book. Do you have an excerpt that you would be willing to share with us? Sure. I mean, I have, hmm, I can read the little, um, excerpt, you know, that we have like for the, for the whole book. Okay. So it says gratitude is the greatest natural superpower. Hi, I'm Frankie, but you can call me gratitude. The great, how'd I get that name? Well, it all started when my cousin hope came to visit and taught me how to make Rhea bracelets, a gratitude tradition in her Brazilian family. What starts as a sweet gesture of family gratitude quickly goes viral. And soon this dynamic duo will have much more to be thankful for. A story filled with an appreciation of all that makes us individuals. Follow Frankie and Hope on an inspiring adventure that reminds us to be grateful for the world around us. In her afterward, author Pamela Rocco prompts children and parents alike on ways to invite gratitude into daily life and ignite their own natural superpower. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's just like it's this the greatest natural superpower, the internal resource that is just sitting right there within you. I would love to share with our listeners where they can buy the book and also how they can connect with you personally. Yes, everyone can get the book at anywhere books are sold, uh, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. And they can find me at House of Bashery or Gratitude the Great on Instagram and also GratitudeTheGreat.com. Beautiful. It was such a treat to have you on, Pamela. <laughs> Thank you. Be well. The Third Place Podcast is produced by Podcast Publishing House. If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thirdplacepodcast.